Thank you once again, Pastor, for allowing us to be with you. I want to say that this is not my natural color, and I am not embarrassed right now. Um, I just wanted to make sure I made an impression on you all, so you guys will remember, hey, remember that missionary who's fried like a lobster? (laughs) Actually, um, we decided today we were going to walk to a park, and the park was a little farther than we thought it was, and we ended up walking about seven miles total, so... That's what happens when you walk seven miles and you aren't prepared for it. But if you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah in chapter 1, and as well as the book of Jonah, we'll also turn to Acts in chapter 8, the book of Jonah in chapter 1 and Acts in chapter 8, and in Acts chapter 8, we'll be looking at verse 26, and before I begin reading, I'll open in a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you for this opportunity to open your word. I can't do nothing without you, and I pray that you would just use me, that you would put me aside, and that the people might hear from you. I pray that you would allow for open hearts and open ears, and I pray that you'd meet with us tonight, and I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll begin in Jonah in chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And then if you look in Acts in chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, for the few minutes that we have tonight, we'll be looking at the two lives of these different men. We have the Old Testament prophet Jonah, and the New Testament, um, what many people consider one of the first deacons, Philip. We see here, we've already read, that they've both been given a command by God to do something. We see Jonah where where God tells him to arise and go to Nineveh. And Philip is is told by God that he needs him to arise and and go out into the desert. Now, Jonah, he he was a man of God. We saw in, in the kings where God had used him previously to prophesy against the kingdom of Israel. So this isn't like it's the first time that Jonah has ever heard from God. It's not like Jonah was sitting there and he'd never been used by God. And God says, well, I'm just going to use this guy right here. And he says, hey, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. You see, this was a prophet, a man of God that God had used before. And we all know the story. If we read and continue on in verse 3, we see where it says, but Jonah arose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, oftentimes when I've read the book of Jonah, it's made me wonder, why is it that this man of God that God had used before, why is it that when God told him this particular time to go do something, that Jonah thought that he could flee from God and not accomplish what God commanded him to do? Why was that? It's also made me brought to my mind the psalm where it talks about where where the psalmist says that he's tried to to flee to the highest mountain and yet God is there and how he's tried to flee to the to the lowest parts of of the, the sea and yet God is there. I don't know if necessarily Jonah had the psalms and he could have read that psalm, but why is it that a man of God thought that he could flee from the presence of God? So I started thinking about myself and if I was in that position I started looking a bit into the history of of the backstory of this what was it was it something about Nineveh 
You see, if you start reading the history of Nineveh, Nineveh had, had a lot that you could put against it as to why you wouldn't want to go there. They worshipped false gods, that some of these gods, that I wouldn't even mention the rites and rituals that you had to go through to worship these gods from this pulpit. That's how vile and disgusting they are. Maybe it's possible that, that Jonah started thinking about this and saying, well, well, if I go to Nineveh, people might think that, that I'm going there to convert to that, and I'm a man of God, I can't be seen there. Maybe it's possible that Jonah had had somebody who was captured by the Ninevites, the Ninevites. You see, Nineveh was a city of Assyria, and during this time of Jonah, the Assyrians would often make raids into Israel, the northern kingdom, and would take people captive and would put them into slavery. Maybe it's possible that they captured one of Jonah's friends or relatives, and so that caused a prejudice in his heart towards these people. And when God said, Jonah, I want you to go and preach to this city, Jonah said, I'm not going to go preach to those people. You know what they did to me, to my life, to my friend, to my family, whatever it was. Maybe it's possible that Jonah had fear in his heart. You see, one of the things that the Ninevites would do when they conquered a town or a city, if anybody resisted, they would take those people and they would do unspeakable things to them, beheading them and filleting them alive and doing all kinds of things. They, in their chronicles, it said at one point that you could walk outside the city gates and there was a mountain of heads right outside the city gates to remind the people to not try and resist the rule of the Ninevites. Maybe Jonah was thinking that if he went and he started preaching against how they were living and the way their lives were, that he would think that he might end up like these people that had resisted. We don't necessarily know why God didn't put that here in the scripture, but there was obviously some reason why Jonah decided he was going to disobey God. If you look over in Acts chapter 8, we'll look at, at Philip's response to God's command. Once again, many of us know this story, but we'll read on in verse 27. It says, And he arose and went and beheld a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Now God gave Philip the command to go down to the desert. Philip, just like Jonah, could have started up making excuses as to why he shouldn't obey God. You see, if you read earlier in Acts chapter 8, God was using Philip mightily in the city of Samaria. People were being saved and God was doing great things there. And God says, hey, I want you to come away from, from this great thing that's going on. And I just want you to go down to the desert. Now, I don't know about you. I, I know you lived in Lancaster, Pastor, and that's considered desert. And I lived at Edwards Air Force Base. That's considered desert. And there were spots out there that you didn't want your car to break down. Because you'd be out in the middle of the desert. And you don't want to find yourself out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. Philip could have started saying, God, really, the desert? I don't want to go out to the desert. There's nothing out there. I mean, it's hard to find water. There's not shade out there. It's hot. He, he could have made up that excuse. He could have started saying, but God, I, I want to stay here where everything's going on, where you're doing work. I don't want to go out to the desert where nothing's going on. Now, look at verse 27 again. 
When I was growing up a kid, as a kid and I heard this story in, in Sunday school, it never crossed my mind then until I started reading it later as I got older. Re let's look at this description. It says, he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch, and look at the next few words. It says, of great authority. This guy was important. And it goes on. It says, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of of all her treasure. So this guy wasn't just important. I mean, this guy was important, important. Because he, he knew, controlled everything about how much money the queen had, which if he was kidnapped in some way or, or done away with, that could mean detriment to the country, to the queen of Ethiopia. This guy wasn't by himself. It wasn't just some guy out there in the middle of the desert with one chariot driver. It wasn't just two guys. I would guarantee you almost that this guy had a company of armed men with him. And as we continue reading in verse 29, it says, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip could have started saying, um, uh, Do you see all those guys over there? They all have swords and spears. And if I just go over there to that chariot, what might happen to me? If I charge the chariot, like, like you said, or, you know, go join yourself to the chariot, I, I could get hurt. You see, Philip could have came up with excuses just like Jonah did. You may say, okay, you know, this is great where you're at, but what are you trying to get at, Brother Taylor? Just like God gave a command to Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh, and just like God gave a command to Philip to arise and go down into the desert, God has given us as Christians a command. You see, God gave us a command in Matthew in chapter 5 and verses 14 through 16, where he commands us to be the light of the world. In verse 16, he says, ye are the light of the world. And he says, you know, he goes on and he says, let your light so shine before men, excuse me, in verse 16, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, it's our job and our responsibility that when people look at us, that they look to God and see how great God is. He further gave us a command in Matthew in chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20 where he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The question is, is how are we fulfilling that command? God has given us a command just like he gave Jonah and Philip. Are we making up excuses as Jonah did or are we being like Philip where we see in verse 30 it says, and Philip ran thither to him. You see, Philip obeyed God's command. There's an amazing thing that I see when we read these two stories is that Philip got his first command where God said, arise and go down into the desert. He went. God gave him his second command. Go join yourself to this chariot. Jonah also got two commands. We all know the story of Jonah. God gave him the first command to go to Nineveh. He disobeyed. Ended up spending three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever stopped and thought about that? What that must have been like? Sitting in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. And then God commands the whale to vomit him up onto the seashore, and then God gives him his second command and says to him, Arise, go to Nineveh. You see, we have the opportunity to be like Jonah or to be like Philip. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be like Jonah. If you turn back over to the book of Jonah, we'll look at the last chapter, Jonah in chapter 4. In chapter 3 and and in chapter 4, we see Jonah, he goes and he preaches against the city. And it has an effect. The king, he, he gives the command to, to everybody down to the lowest to the low and even the animals to put on sackcloth and ashes and begin fasting that the God of heaven would not destroy their city. And where do we find Jonah? He, he's not somewhere praying that, that the people would, would hear the message and will repent. He's sitting out on the side of the hill waiting to see the city of Nineveh go up in flames. Waiting for Nineveh to become Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0. Jonah still has an issue. Even though he tried disobeying God, God sent him into the belly of the whale, he still has an issue going on. And if you look here at the end of chapter 4, and verse 9, it says, And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? You see, God had allowed a gourd to come up to shade Jonah, and then he allowed a worm to come and eat the gourd just to show Jonah, hey, I'm still God and I control everything. And this is Jonah's response. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Now, this is the last thing that we see of Jonah's life. Other than in the Gospels, when when Christ talks about the prophecy of Jonah being in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. This is the last time we see Jonah in the Bible. The last words that we hear from Jonah, I do well to be angry even unto death. Could you imagine that as your epitaph? What's put on your tombstone? Angry unto death. You see, when we don't obey God and God is trying to get a hold of us and he allows things that are going on in our life and we're not paying attention, we could get in that same position where we're angry. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be the last thing said of me. I would rather obey God and have a life that is blessed than disobey God, finally do what he tells me, but still be upset about it. Now let's go look at the alternate. We could be like Jonah. We could end up here at the end where he's angry, where he's mad. And if we look over here back in Acts in chapter 8, we know the whole story where he runs to the chariot and he says, do you understand what you read? And he says, how can I unless some man should show me? One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible after they read the scripture in Isaiah. In verse 35 here it says, and Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. See, that's what the world's looking for today, is for somebody to open their mouth and preach Jesus unto them, to show them how that they can know Christ. But it goes on, and we, we'll skip down to verse 39, and it says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. This is the last time that the eunuch would ever see Philip again in his life. And yet, if you were to ask that eunuch later on in life, hey, you remember Philip? Say, yeah, that guy, he caused rejoicing. 
I'd rather have that said about me at the end of my life, that I caused rejoicing in the lives of others. I know that when a soul is saved, that there's rejoicing in heaven. I'd rather have that on my tombstone as my epitaph, that Taylor Norris caused rejoicing in the lives of others than for it to be said, Taylor Norris, angry unto death. Where are you tonight? Are you obeying the command that God has given for your life? You see, we are to be witnesses to the people around us. Are you running like Jonah, away from what God has called you to? Or are you running to what God has called you to? Have you allowed yourself to become angry like Jonah? Or are you causing rejoicing in the lives of others? You see, you're the only person that knows where your life is right now. You and God. Are you doing what God has called you to? Are you running to or from what God has called you to? If you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes, I'll ask pastor to come close the service.